Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program of information on the ever-changing world of accessibility. Now here are the hosts of this program, Nancy Goodman Torpe and Peter Torpe. Hello, I'm Nancy. And I'm Pete. Well, I really love my iPhone. I never leave home without it. And there's all sorts of things you can do with it. But today we're going to learn about a few more things that I didn't know about. We'll speak with Judy Dixon, who's written many books about using an iPhone with little or no vision, with particular emphasis on her latest book entitled 31 Cool Things You Can Do With Your iPhone. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip comes from Judy Dixon. I'd like to share a tip or at least some encouragement for anybody who has thought about using an iPhone or tried to use the iPhone. They found it really hard and it just didn't do what everybody else says it should do. And I really encourage anybody in that boat to keep trying. It is so worth it. And reach out to your friends, your colleagues, anybody you can find who might be able to help you get over that beginning thing. It's kind of a given, I suppose, with technology that the hardest thing to do is to get started. So many devices, when you first get them, the the setup is the hardest thing you'll ever do when you use the device. And it sounds a bit overwhelming when you hear about all the things that these experienced users do with their phones, but you start out with baby steps and just one little thing at a time, and then you build on that, and that's the easy way to get going. But I just think it's so worth the effort that you might put into it. Yes. I always advise people to start by reading the instructions, but sometimes that isn't the greatest way that people learn. And really, with something like an iPhone, the best way to learn is really just by playing around. Don't be afraid to just try new things. See what happens when you tap some button. You can't break it. Support for Eyes on Success is provided by Ira, an app that remotely connects people who are blind or have low vision to trained agents for access to visual information. Details are available at 1-800-835-1934. You are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 Let's start by meeting Judy and learning about some of her other passions. I'm Judy Dixon, and I guess for the purposes of this interview, I am the author of a number of technology books, mostly about the iPhone or iDevices. I've actually now written 11 books for National Braille Press. I started in 2008. The first one wasn't really technology. It was actually about labeling, of all things, uh, which I still enjoy doing. My job is as Consumer Relations Officer at the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled. We've changed our name as of October 1st, and I've been there for 38 plus years. That's quite a career. (laughs) (laughs) And it's still going. Now, we actually got to meet you in person a few weeks ago when we were vacationing in Wyoming, and that's another passion of yours. Yes, I'm also very involved with Ski for Light, 
Um, I think this will be my 43rd Ski for Light this year, which I kind of find amazing. But uh, Ski for Light is going to be in Casper, Wyoming. So we were there for a planning weekend. And I heard Peter and Nancy speaking. I recognized your voices, of course, because I hear you every week. And uh, I said, oh, gosh, yes, I know them. <laughs> So that was that was quite a coincidence. That was pretty interesting running into you there, staying at the same hotel on our vacation. They came into the room and they said, we must know somebody here. <laughs> <laughs> and we did. <laughs> and for people who may not know what Ski for Light is, just give them a quick summary of what they do. Ski for Light is an organization that has an annual program to teach cross-country skiing to blind and mobility impaired people. And cross-country skiing is a great sport for blind people. I, I love cross-country skiing. It's such a great sport. It feels so good to be outside in the winter and not be cold. It is great to be active and outdoors during the winter. And unfortunately, your winter event is full, but we'll be doing an interview with you shortly after that event so you can talk about it for next year and tell people exactly what goes on. Yeah, that'll be great. Support for Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Find out more about partnership opportunities by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is the books Judy Dixon has written about using an iPhone with little or no vision, with particular emphasis on her latest book entitled 31 Cool Things You Can Do With Your iPhone. You've written a number of books through the years, and I thought maybe you could start by kind of summarizing some of the books you wrote, telling people what they are, and then we can focus on some of the more recent ones. Okay. Over the years, I, as I mentioned, I started with a book about labeling, which was um, using Braille, mostly Braille, but other strategies too, to label all kinds of stuff, especially the things that are kind of difficult to label. I wrote one on um, ebooks and how to access ebooks, especially with an iPhone. And the, that one's called The Abundant Bookshelf. I wrote my favorite book was on photography and it's called Get the Picture. Um, and that book, I actually hired a professional photographer to teach me how to take pictures. And she was great. She was super accurate and precise person who, who had no problem telling me what I was doing wrong, which is exactly what I wanted. And that was a fun book because then, because I realized that people who are going to be really successful with iPhones are going to need to use that camera. And I mean, I'm a person who was born blind and grew up as a blind person. I didn't have a camera. Everybody else had cameras, but I didn't have cameras. What was I going to do with a camera? So I don't have camera skills or camera experience. And now what are you going to do without a camera? <laughs> exactly. What am I going to do? I use my camera so many times a day now to uh, read packages and identify things and scan barcodes and all kinds of stuff. So I, I, my camera, my phone is just fantastic. And your more recent books include? Let's see, there was one on writing and editing. And uh, sometimes when I write a book, it's because I know a lot about a topic, but I don't know everything about a topic. And I think I need to learn more about this to really get good at it. And the best way to learn is to write a book. 
but the writing book was definitely one of the hardest because I didn't know a lot. I had to do a lot of research and pull stuff together. And let's see, I think after the writing book was a small book on Dropbox. I use Dropbox a lot for everything. And a lot of people, people are always asking me questions about Dropbox. And then the one after that is on visual assistance. And that's a lot back to cameras. As a matter of fact, I plagiarized myself and um, pulled some of the material from the 2014 book on just basic using a camera. How does a blind person know how far away to be or whether your subject is in the center or where it's even supposed to be in the center and all of that kind of stuff. So I pulled that from the earlier book and updated it. And then half of that book is on getting visual assistance with your phone, scanning and scanning barcodes and getting information with your, using your phone's camera. And the second half of that book is getting visual assistance from humans. And that covers apps like uh, be my eyes and be specular and Ira and all of that. It's great to have that all in one place to be able to compare those when people are thinking about using one of those apps. And it's like, which one should I use? And they can just go to your book and figure out which one might be best for them. That book would actually be good for that. So just for anybody who may not be familiar with these visual assistance services, can you describe the basic principle of how they work? They involve humans and a phone, and that's probably where the similarities stop. There's one one called Be Specular, which is from South Africa, which you actually record a question, and they send the question out and take the picture. You know, it can be, I, I did it, um, what's the serial number on this device? Or what kind of K-cups are these? That kind of stuff. And you take the picture, ask the question, and then you get back responses. And you might get back responses from multiple people. So this is really a good app if you just want, you know, does this blouse go with this skirt? And, and you get back, well, sort of. And, you know, gee, I've never worn pink and purple together, but maybe you could, you know, <laughs> answers like that. You know? Oh, so you get back different opinions, which is, can be nice in some situations. Then there's an app, Be My Eyes, and Be My Eyes is, is similar to Ira, except that Be My Eyes uses volunteers. So you, you have to be mindful of, you know, they may not have the best skills at telling you this is on the right, and this is behind that, and those kinds of things. And they may not really want to stay with you if it's a long task. So you kind of try to keep the task short and reasonable, but it's a fun app if you, you know, just, I, when I first started using these apps, if I was in a strange city in a hotel, I just use the app and look out my hotel room window and say, what's out there? And it's great. What an interesting idea. That's kind of cool. You know, what am I seeing out my window? And then Ira is the one that's become very popular in the, especially in the U.S., but it's offered in other countries now. And it has highly trained, very, very skilled describers. Um, they have kind of a complicated uh, pricing structure. Um, you basically pay different amounts for different amounts of minutes. But recently, they have now have the first five minutes of every call is free. Well, and in many public venues, it's paid for by the venue. So if you go to an airport or a Wegman supermarket, they pay IRA and the user gets to use it with no extra charge. That's true. And that's that's a lot of fun. Our Smithsonian Institute museums now have it for free. You know, it's kind of interesting that 
it sounds like you enjoy learning new things, experiencing new things, working with new technologies. And as you mentioned, it takes some effort to do that and a fair amount of work. And it's kind of nice that in the process of you learning, you're sharing that learning for other people to make it easier for them to get over the hump of having the knowledge that you work so hard to obtain. It is fun. I Yes, I really do like sharing what I learn. And, and I really like to learn, but it's sometimes fun to focus that learning. And, and for me, that's what writing a book makes me really focus on, on my learning and, and follow it through all the way to the end. It must be very rewarding. You must get good feedback from these books. People seem to enjoy them. I've been, you know, always trying to think of what's the next book going to be. And I got this idea actually just today um, of doing a kind of, you know how you do your your tips episodes from time to time. Um, it would be something like that, but maybe a little encyclopedia on how to's, how to do this. So, if, you know, how do I delete an email? How do I delete a text message? You could look it up under delete in this book, and it would have delete emails, delete text messages, delete an app, how do you, or insert, or whatever you might look up. Um, I'm, I haven't gotten this idea very far along, but I'm I'm thinking of because. My brother-in-law is blind and he's a new iPhone user. So he asks me questions and I realize new iPhone users just need a lot of support and a lot of blind iPhone users don't have anybody to ask. They don't have a sister-in-law who's written 11 books that they can call. (laughs) Well, in a similar vein, your most recent book may be a little less practical, but I believe it's entitled 31 Cool Things You Can Do With Your iPhone, From Fun to Practical to Entertaining. It is. And the fun part of this book is I probably looked at about 100 cool things to get it done. So one of the items I noticed in the table of contents of your 31 Cool Things You Can Do book is that you could find a missing screw that you dropped in the grass with your iPhone. So I'll bite. How is that done? Well, and that actually happens. We live in a suburb of Washington, D.C., but we happen to have a rural mailbox, a great big, huge mailbox so that the Braille books and other things can fit in it. My husband and I both like technology a lot, so we're always looking for the next fun technological thing to use. So we got this, it's called a mail alert and you screw it on to the front of your mailbox. And then when the mail delivery person opens the front of the mailbox, it makes a sound that goes off in the house. Aha, the mail's here. I wonder if the postman ever wonders why I go running out the front door um, whenever he delivers the mail. But, you know, I I thought she couldn't see. (laughs) So we are putting it in. And of course, inevitably, the screws on this thing are tiny, tiny, tiny. Well, we dropped one in the grass. And I said, wait a minute. I, 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 we might be able to do this. <laughs> so I, I had been playing around with uh, metal detectors on the iPhone. The only downside of the metal detector is the thing you're detecting has to be ferrous. And uh, I said, well, that's, these are cheap screws. They're probably ferrous. And uh, I found it. So I was really excited by that. So I said, well, that's a cool thing to put in the book. Now, I'm kind of curious. Uh, first of all, I wouldn't have thought to hook a metal detector to an iPhone, but it sounds like you already had one. You don't hook the metal detector. It's an app, and it's using the magnetometer of the iPhone to uh, detect metal. Is that right? So you wow. s- essentially sweep the iPhone over the grass like you would a metal detector? Exactly. 
Wow, who would have known? I <laughs> know that's that was definitely one of the more fun things. And I tested, oh gosh, probably twenty-five metal detecting apps before I found one that you know worked easily. And most of them had were very, very complex and had just huge numbers of controls and told you way more than you ever wanted. I just want to find this rule. I don't really need to know all this stuff. And <laughs> I finally found a really good app to use. Well, next time I'm hunting for hidden treasure, perhaps I'll ask you what the app was. <laughs> it's in the book. <laughs> okay. What other cool items did you put in this book? Oh, let's see. There's It's divided into sections. So the first section is called For Your Entertainment. And that's about things like how you can get any YouTube video described. This is a project that started at Smith Kettlewell called You Describe. And a blind person can go on a website, give them the URL for the YouTube video, and you can request to have any YouTube video described. And when someone chooses to do it, they have volunteers who describe the videos. And someone has to just pick it up and do it. And they'll describe it, and then it gets posted on the website. And they also have an app. You can also listen to all these described videos that other people have asked to have described. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're cited, you can volunteer for this project and contribute. Just go to the website and sign up. Yes. Speaking of YouTube, Nancy just mentioned to me that you can speed up the audio on YouTube. Oh, to change the speed at which you hear YouTube videos, you just go into settings and one of the options is playback speed and the defaults include increments of 25%, but there's also a custom option and you can put in any multiple of the normal speed that you want. Well, that's pretty cool. The next section is around the house and that's where the metal detector comes in. That also has um, level of picture, measure an angle, and convert a unit of measure. This is the coolest app. It has 800 different conversions, everything from foreign shoe sizes to uh, nanoseconds to... It's really great. <laughs> so if you need to know how many tablespoons there are in a liter or something, you can do that. Anything. It's amazing. Well, the way I sometimes do those calculations is by asking Siri, Hey Siri, how many tablespoons in a liter? One liter is 67.63 tablespoons. Thank you. And then in your home office, deposit a check in your bank, which I do all the time with my phone, printing an envelope. APH has an app called Typing Tutor, and, and uh, it gets all involved with students and their progress and all that, but an individual can just use it to practice typing skills and call any phone in the world. And then a section called Try Something New, and that's kind of the learning apps, and um, there's an app called Learning to Yodel. Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> that's maybe less useful than some of the others. Yes. Well, it's it's Swiss yodeling. It's gorgeous. You know, <laughs> that was. Have fun. you learned to yodel? I have tried. I can only do it in the shower. <laughs> I was going to ask you if you want to demo it here, but I suppose we're not doing this interview from the shower. I don't think so. <laughs> okay. And then there's some musical apps, and there's a really fun one where you can turn your phone into a piano. And there literally is a piano keyboard along one edge of the phone. And 
you turn voiceover off and it's really cool to try and play it. <laughs> <laughs> I know what Pete's going to be doing this afternoon. It's really neat. And then for your health, there's an ex nice exercise app and step counting and meditation. And then out and about, um, a fun app for translating. Somebody can talk and the app translates it. And then you talk and the app translates it. And some the other person talks and the app translates it. I tried this ordering some items in a bakery. You know, what do you have? And she said something and my phone said, uh, green tea muffins. <laughs> and she said something else. And my phone said uh, it was an Asian bakery and they had all kinds of interesting stuff. And it was very fun. And then I told her what I wanted and my phone said something and she went away and got it. <laughs> That's terrific. But well, certainly sounds like just having the book itself is quite entertaining and useful, let alone the apps it talks about. It's fun. I, I enjoy doing it. I hope people enjoy reading it because I had a great time. Who is this book geared towards? Would it be helpful for a beginning iPhone user? This book is really designed for beginners. Um, I mean, it, all of us will certainly find lots of fun stuff to do with it. But I did write it in such a way that if somebody is a beginning iPhone user, I give them all the information they need. And while I was doing that, I realized that I'm talking about this stuff that a beginner might not know about. So after a number of the apps, <clears throat> there are sections that I call user tip. And one of the user tips talks about the app switcher. One of them talks about scrolling through long lists of items if you don't have a table index or something, and the best way to do that. Um, how to manage widgets in the today view. And, um, oh, four ways to rotor. You know, all the iPhone books are always telling you that the way to use the rotor is, is put two fingers on the screen and turn it like a dial. Well, I don't know about everybody else, but that doesn't work too well for me. That's a tough motion. It is a tough motion. Well, it finally occurred to me one day, I don't have to turn my fingers. I can turn the phone. Hey, what a good idea. I just put my fingers on the phone and turn the phone. And I find that a lot easier. So I wrote this user tip. There's also other ways. You can put one finger down and then use the other hand and rotate a second finger around that first finger. And that works great. Um, there's all different ways you can rotor. And you don't have to do it this two finger turning your fingers way. And so I, that's one of the sections, the little user tip in this book, four different ways to rotor. What's really interesting, I think, is how much technology is built into these phones these days. They are not just simple phones anymore. I mean, they are a camera, a recording device, a word processor, a calculator. They're all kinds of things. Don't forget about internet access and GPS and just all these wonderful things. Magnifier, flashlight, compass. We really shouldn't call it a phone. Yeah, I saw an article a while back saying... You know, think of the technologies in your phone and what it would cost if you had to buy each of these technologies separately. Oh, yeah. And it came out to be a huge number. So, you know, we sometimes kind of squawk about, yeah, these phones are close to $1,000 these days. But when you think about what's piled into that little device, it's all kinds of stuff. A recorder, a light detector, a color identifier, a money detector, a barcode scanner. I mean, it's amazing. And as many of your books 
point out in how to use some of these apps and which apps can be useful for the visually impaired, these devices can be quite useful for the visually impaired to do things that, you know, you wouldn't be able to do otherwise. Which is especially amazing when you consider that it's just a flat slab and the interface is a flat piece of glass. Who would think that blind people would have such great access to this technology? And Pete, it must happen to you. It happens to me all the time. I'm using my phone, you know, somewhere out in public and members of the public will say to me, you know, can you really use that thing? How do, how do you use an iPhone? How does a blind person use an iPhone? Well, it's pretty cool. So I give them a quick demo of voiceover and how, how fantastic it is. Yeah, people are always amazed at that. And the funny thing is, that's the easy part. I mean, the access part, but it's these other tools you talked about and applications that really give it some power in terms of making up for our lack of vision. Yes. Okay, everybody. Now it's your turn to play around with your phone and figure out some new things you can do with it. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about Judy Dixon's books about using iOS devices with vision loss, how to obtain those books, and how to contact her directly. So if people are interested in purchasing some of these books or learning more, where would you send them? Well, all of the books that I've written are available from National Braille Press in Boston, which their website is www.nbp for nationalbraillepress.org. And this particular book is available in hard copy braille and BRF format, uh, digital braille format, Daisy text and word. And many of those books are available in various formats from the National Braille Press. That's pretty much the standard set of formats for most of them. Um, once in a while, a book will also be available in hard copy print or, or audio, but mostly this is what they've been doing for the last several years. And I always recommend to people the Apple Viz site, applevis.com, which is a place where people can ask questions about how to use various types of Apple devices for the visually impaired. It's a very friendly group and knowledgeable people. It's a very useful resource. It is a very useful resource, and the people are great. If people had questions for you, would you like to share your own contact information? I'll share my email address. Um, my email address is Judy, J-U-D-Y, at Judy Dixon, J-U-D-Y-D-I-X-O-N dot net. It's Judy at Judy Dixon dot net. And as usual, you can find all of that contact information in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. I also wanted to remind people that we now have a new way that you can listen to Eyes on Success by using your Amazon or Google smart home device. Just say, play Eyes on Success podcast. It's as simple as that. That's it for show number 1949. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking with another person who's very well known in the blindness community. Jonathan Mosen has long been a strong advocate for disability rights and has also played major roles at ACB Radio, Humanware, Freedom Scientific, and IRA. 
We'll speak with Jonathan about his journey, as well as about his new role as CEO of WorkBridge, which connects the disabled with prospective employers. If you have any questions regarding something you've heard about on the show, or you'd like to share an idea for a future show, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. Browse the full archive of programs, find instructions for subscribing to the podcasts, and much more at www.eyesonsuccess.net. You can also find us on iTunes and follow us on Facebook at Eyes on Success or Twitter at underscore Eyes on Success. We hope you will join us again next week for more information and updates on products for accessible living. Thanks for listening to Eyes on Success and have a nice day.